I'm sure we are all concerned by the escalating conflict currently taking place between Israel and Palestine, as well as the loss of lives, including children. War is a tragedy and causes so much pain and trauma. May we continue to pray for peace to prevail. Kevin Connor had a particular interest in Israel and God's plans and purposes for this people group, both historically and in our time. This is a sensitive topic, and he always sought to handle it with both grace and truth. A copy of the handout notes for this teaching series can be downloaded for free as a PDF or Word document at www.kevinconnor.org forward slash Israel. Also, the material from this teaching is covered extensively in three particular books by Kevin Connor, What About Israel, Restoration Theology, and New Covenant Realities. Visit his website for further details. Although given well over a decade ago, we hope that this timely teaching will assist you in navigating these current times with both faith and wisdom. Okay, now tonight we want to do uh, probably another controversial thing. Our first session, what about uh, Babylon being rebuilt? And then uh, second session, what about the cup, the sword and the censer? And I thought we'd try and end up on a more positive thing in the nations. Okay, now how many have had any teaching about Babylon at all? Hands up, just give me an idea. Okay, Uh, most of you have never heard any teaching on Babylon? All right, how many have heard that Babylon is going to be rebuilt? Okay, how many have not heard anything? (laughs) Some of you haven't got hands tonight. Bunch of chickens. Okay, all right, now it is a very controversial thing, but I want to give you the big picture, a little bit of history that I've done over the years. Yeah, a lot of years here building up things. So I hope uh, that's not too boring with a bit of history, uh, Bible history, and then some modern day stuff. Okay, so I'm going to move right into that. Let me pick up my notes here. All right, so session uh, session seven is what about the rebuilding of Babylon? Uh, I believe it's a sign of the end of the, of the time of the end, not the end of time. Nearly slipped there myself. Sign of the time of the end. And as we got on on your notes here, uh, the Bible is indeed a tale of two cities. We looked at two Jerusalem's last uh, last week, uh, but today we're looking at uh, tale of two cities, Jerusalem and Babylon. They are the two major cities in the Bible, and uh, when Jerusalem was up, Babylon was down. When Babylon was up, uh, Jerusalem was down. And so it sort of swung back and forth between the two cities. They both begin in Genesis, and they both uh, consummate in the book of Revelation. Okay, let's turn over to Revelation chapter 18 for a little bit here, Uh, just a short reading. So Revelation chapter 18 has already been uh, said in the commercial. A lot of this is in the textbook I did. I actually told my wife, I said, if I die, sprinkle, burn the book of Revelation and sprinkle the ashes from a jumbo jet. But then when I saw all the other stuff coming out on it, I thought, oh, well, <laughs> when I'm dead, they can't do anything to me. Anyway. Okay, so uh, Revelation chapter 18. Now, just, uh, just to introduce it here a little bit. Revelation chapter 18, we have a woman and her name on her four, on a four, uh, verse four, uh, 5, and on her forehead a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great. Uh, Mystery Babylon the Great, yes. The mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Uh, did you know that there's only two great mysteries in the Bible? Uh, the, the marriage of Christ to his church is referred to as a great mystery and also mystery Babylon the Great, that's a great mystery. They both concern women. I'm in the wrong chapter. Uh, no, go back to, uh, I, I slipped over to chapter 17. Yeah, then I'll go to chapter 18. Sorry, my head's running ahead here. All right, so in in, uh, Revelation chapter 17, verse 4, we'll read, lead into it. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup 
full of abominations of filthiness of her fornication and on her forehead a name was written mystery Babylon the great mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth and I saw the woman drunk with the blood of saints so chapter 17 in Revelation deals with a woman but she has the same name but chapter 18 let's go to chapter 18 now and we'll go to verse 1 and 2 just uh, two or three verses Uh, After these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hole of every foul spirit, and the cage of uh, every unclean and hateful bird. And then, as you go down, um, let's see. Yes, go down to verse 10. Standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, for the great, that great city Babylon, that mighty city. Notice city. For in one hour is thy judgment come. Okay, now I haven't got time to amplify this too much. But you, you, when you do your study, you need to distinguish between Revelation 17, the woman Babylon, and Revelation 18, the city Babylon. Very briefly, the woman, a woman always in the Bible refers to a church, either a true church or a false church. So uh, in this case, it's the false church, I believe, uh, Mystery Babylon, takes the name of the Old Testament city of Babylon, which we'll look at in a a little while here. And then uh, in chapter 18, it has to do with the city. So the woman has to do with an ecclesiastical or religious Babylon, the city has to do with political or commercial Babylon. That's the one we're particularly looking at tonight. Mystery Babylon the Great, we're looking at the city aspect of it, not the woman aspect of it. So you have to distinguish between the, uh, the woman and the city. They're both called the same name, Babylon, Babylon the Great, but one is ecclesiastical, religious, uh, a church, a false church, a worldwide false church, and the other one has to do with political or uh, yeah, political or commercial Babylon. So the one we're going to be looking at is this uh, political or commercial Babylon. Okay, now, what I'd like to do here, uh, just to try and simp- uh, simplify uh, for you all, I want to give you just the brief overview. That's what we're going to cover tonight. So everybody knows what this is. <laughs> the, the straight line. Okay, now, <laughs> it's meant to be. Okay, now, note the, this is the picture I want to give you in our, in our time, and uh, as it's already been commercialised uh, by my book. Okay, we have the uh, origin of, of uh, uh, let's put it up here. So we're looking at uh, the commercial aspect of the Babylon. Babylon. Now, the two main chapters are Genesis chapter 10 and 11. And then we come to the book of Daniel. This is the seed book, and we'll do some seed things in a moment there. Then we come to the book of Daniel, and here, Daniel chapters 1 through to 5, Daniel is, uh, I mean, Babylon, pardon me, is at its height. The glory of uh, the Babylonian Empire here. And then when you get to, uh, let's draw some of our, our stuff here. We'll put the cross again, the dividing line. And then we'll put the church age as we did uh, several times here. Church age. And then we have the uh, three and a half years. In fact, uh, just to complete the picture, we have three and a half years of the ministry of Christ. First half of the 70-week prophecy, as I understand it. Time, times, and half a time. And again here. And then we have um, this period of time, a thousand years, my Christian millennium. And then we have the what we talked about last week, New Jerusalem, New Heavens, and uh, New Jerusalem, New Heavens, and New Earth. Okay, so what this gives you... Revelation talks about time, times, and half a time as we've seen. Then Revelation 20, just leaving in its order, Revelation 20, and then uh, Revelation chapter 
21 and 22 brings you to the new Jerusalem, new heavens and new earth. So that's the general over picture. Now, what we find somewhere in here, we have uh, Babylon at its final destruction and the chapters that are given over to that are Revelation chapter 17 and 18, somewhere in this period of time as I understand it. And remember, I try to qualify myself that... uh, Uh, history proves prophecy. We don't know all exact details. I think uh, some expositors, they try to get too exacting on some details and say, look, history proves prophecy. We don't always know exact details. So that's the basic revelation of uh, Babylon in the Bible. The beginnings, Genesis chapter 10 and 11, and then uh, the height and the glory of Babylon in uh, the book of Daniel, And then Revelation, the consummation of it all. That's the picture we have. Genesis, Revelation, Daniel, the height and glory. And then we want to do a bit of uh, church history today. Okay, now, let's go to your notes here. And I'd like to uh, just give you some seed thoughts. We've got uh, so much material to cover, so I can't spend too much time on it. But I'm talking to a very intelligent bunch of people. You're improving every week on that now. Okay, so under letter A, the origin and foundation of Babylon. All right, now I'm just going to give you some detail uh, here without turning up the scriptures here or we're not going to get through our sessions tonight. As we go back to Genesis chapter 10 and chapter 11, particularly chapter 11, we find if you want to pick any sea thoughts, which I've scribbled out here, I write in tongues, we find that the world now from Adam through to the Tower of Babel, there was only one world language. It was Australian. No, 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 no. We don't know what it was. But one world language. All the world spoke one world language. Okay, that's important. So what, they, what God had done was that God said to man uh, after the flood, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and spread abroad throughout the world. So what happened here is that a man by the name of Nimrod, you might like to put that down, Nimrod, his, name, his very name means the rebel. Nimrod the rebel. He goes to, now keep some of these seed thoughts in mind, he goes to the plain of Shinar, S-H-I-N-A-R, and he's not, his name not only means the rebel, he is the 13th from Adam. And 13 is the number of rebellion. So rebellion, his name is the rebel. That's why I can't understand some Christians who go to the rebel shop <laughs> and buy a T-shirt and come to the meeting with the rebel on it. And I'm looking at, oh, help me, God. He's got a rebel shirt. I hope he's not a rebel. How many think it is ironical? You know. Okay, so... Uh, Nimrod's the 13th from Adam, so just be careful what t-shirts you buy around Kevin Connor. Now, so what happens, Nimrod goes up to the leadership on this, is uh, a rebel, 13th from Adam, and so the language of the, of the uh, cry there, instead of scattering abroad uh, as God sent them and be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, they centralize, centralization, that's the thing. Now, you'll notice the language that they have. Let us make us a name and let us build us a city and a tower. Now, you'll note the emphasis on let us, let us. And so say all of us, if hooray. Okay. Let us build us a name, let us make us a name, and let us build a city and a tower. Now, you think of the contrast because when God calls Abraham... Where does he call him out from? He calls him out from Ur of the Chaldees. And Abraham's looking for a city and, and make a, a, a city whose builder and maker is God, not whose uh, city and builder is Nimrod. And God says to Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great name. So you have to see the call of Abraham in chapter 12 in contrast to Genesis chapter 10 and 11 where this man Nimrod is let us make us a name and let us build us a city and a tower. And uh, how many remember Proverbs 15 verse 18 I think it is? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
the righteous run into it and are safe. And according to history and according to some of the textbooks that they say that this tower, they say, let us build as a city and a tower, a tower whose top may reach heaven. It's like a Babylonian ziggurat, not cigarette, a ziggurat, a Z, uh, that they, it was a religious thing that they wanted to study the stars, uh, astronomy and everything like that. So what happened? God's response was, let us go down and see what this man, they're doing. So the let us of man is now responded to by God. And so what happened? God confused their tongues. So they began to speak in Australian, English, Chinese, speaking in tongues. Uh, Just for those who pick up seed, that uh, on the day of Pentecost, God reversed the miracle of this. Because 17 languages have spoken there, and the Jews out of every kindred, tongue, tribe, and nation, they said, how do we hear every man in our own tongue when we were born, where we were born? So God reversed the miracle, because you see, in Genesis chapter 11, it's the beginning of nations, but in Acts chapter 2, it's God's love for the nations. So he reverses the, the miracle of judgment in, Act, uh, in Genesis 10:11. He reverses in Acts chapter 2 where the gospel is to go to every creature. So what happens when God said, let us go down and confuse their la- languages so we have the origin of nations. And see, Babel in the beginning, and you can put this here, there, Babel or Babylon, Babel simply means the gate of God. Because originally they said, let's build a city and a tower who can reach heaven. So, what's the end result is? We have the origin of the nations. And God scattered them abroad here. And anything that begins in rebellion ends in confusion. That's the issue. So it began with Nimrod the rebel... 13 from Adam and 13 the number of rebellion. They wanted to build us a city and us a name and us a tower. And uh, uh, this is not my subject tonight. But we have to watch this in any church. Because, you know, I, I've, been, I've been around the traps a few years now, 70, 85 years of age nearly. And I've seen so many denominations get this Babylonian spirit into them. We're going to build the greatest denomination. We're going to have the greatest uh, name. And we're going to show the people that we're the greatest Pentecostal movement. That harkens back to this. Let us build us a city and us a name and build us a denomination. And God said, sometimes God permits division to happen. Say, hey, the name of the Lord. So God called Abraham out from that. Uh, somebody sent me an email just recently. Uh, thought you might be interested. Let me see where it is. And uh, let me uh, read. I won't read it all, but uh, this was uh, the Garden of Eden. Interesting facts. Uh, where is the Garden of Eden? And the Garden of Eden was... Now, try and think as I talk this way, try and think Iraq, modern day, but ancient name, Babylon. So think Iraq, Babylon. And you see, some of the names that we have today, we think of Iraq, Iran. Well, we think biblically Babylon and Medo-Persia. So listen to some of this. The Garden of Eden was in Iraq. Mesopotamia, which is now Iraq, was the cradle of civilization. Noah built the ark in Iraq. The Tower of Babel was in Iraq. Abraham was from Ur, which is southern Iraq. Uh, Isaac's wife, Rebecca, is from Nahor, which is in Mesopotamia. Jacob met his Rachel in Iraq. Jonah preached in Nineveh, which is in Iraq. Assyria, which is in Iraq, conquered the ten tribes of Israel. Amos cried out in Iraq. Babylon, which is Iraq, destroyed Jerusalem. Daniel was in the lion's den uh, in Iraq. Let's think Babylon. So it has a very important thing. The three Hebrew children were in the fire in Iraq or Babylon. Also, the fourth person was there, Jesus. He's been to Babylon. Interesting. 
Uh, Belshazzar, the king of Babylon, saw the writing on the wall. Talk about that later a bit in Iraq. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, carried the Jews captive into Babylon. Ezekiel preached in Babylon, Iraq. Uh, I'm not sure about the next one. I won't read that one. Uh, question mark. Uh, Peter preached in Iraq. Did you know that in Peter's epistle, he writes to the church, which is in Babylon? Now, I'm saying some of these things because some expositors, which I'm going to cross tonight, uh, say that Babylon will never be rebuilt because of certain reasons. But we find that there is a church actually in Babylon. More ways than one. The empire of man described in Revelation is called Babylon, which was a city in Iraq. And you have probably seen this one. Israel is the nation most, uh, most often mentioned in the Bible. Do you know which nation is second? It is the Babylon. However, that is not the name that is used in the Bible. The names used in the Bible are Babylon, land of China, and Mesopotamia. And the word Mesopotamia means uh, between the two rivers, more exactly, uh, between the Tigris and the Euphrates. Uh, means a country of dif- uh, different, uh, deep roots, pardon me, and so forth and so forth. All right. Yeah, that's enough on that. We'll come back to that. Okay. All right, now let's go to moving on. So Babylon sort of goes down, and then we have no mention of Babylon until we get to the book of Joshua, where Achan took a Babylonian garment and a wedge of gold and brought defeat into the camp of Israel. So Babylon goes down, and we don't hear anything of it. And uh, if you want to put uh, some chapters here, I'd like to encourage... Oh, no, you've got it. Yeah, you do need to put it down. Uh, when we go to letter B here, the rise of Babylon to glory we see in the book of Daniel. So Daniel's chapters 1 through to 5, uh, we see the Babylon at its height. Uh, the height of his glory. All right, now, two major things there I want you to pick up. Daniel chapter 2, God gives Nebuchadnezzar, now remember, Nebuchadnezzar is the head, and he gives him a dream. You usually dream in your head, don't you? Well, I, I used to anyway. And, uh, and what God gives to this, so this is great significance, particularly for today, In this dream, he sees the image of a man, deified man, deified man. And God is actually giving Nebuchadnezzar the head, and whatever the head is, the head has the brains, and the spirit that's in the head goes right through the whole body. So when Daniel comes in, long story short here, and he interprets the dream because the wise men of Babylon couldn't do it, he says, you are the head of gold, so the gold standard was brought in in Babylon. It all comes from that head of gold. And then we see deterioration, degeneration, deterioration, devaluation. It goes from the golden head now to Medo-Persia. Now you think of what's happening today with Iran and Iraq. We, we can't mistake what's happening here. Uh, so uh, Medo-Persia overthrew Babylon. After 70 years, as we saw last week, that the uh, house of Judah would be 70 years in Babylonian captivity, then they would be restored, rebuild Jerusalem in, in order to be there for the, coming of, uh, 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 the first coming of the Messiah. Okay, so now we go from gold to silver, and the silver is joined across the two arms, Medo-Persian, the Medes and the Persians. Um, I want to give you a map I think I have run off en- enough just to give you the picture of what, what's happening in the Middle East today. Then it goes to the belly and thighs of brass. So notice the image is top-heavy, typical of deified man. So it goes from gold to silver, arms and chests. Then it goes to the belly and thighs of brass, the Grecian Empire, which overthrew the Medo-Persian Uh, Medes and Persians. Then it went to the longest part of the body, which still maintains with us, Rome. And Rome was divided into two legs, the Eastern and Roman 
uh, the East and Western division of the Roman Empire. Then this brings us way down to where we are today because it's not till you get to these three and a half years, this time, times and a half, that we see the consummation of the dream because you have ten toes, a mixture of iron and clay. And a lot of talk going on, and I'm not sure where to go at the moment on some of the things, but some are talking about the United States of Europe, uh, the ten toes. Some are talking about uh, that there's ten world powers that are shaping up uh, with the Western world, America and Canada, so forth, and Australasia and Asia, that all this is shaping up that the powers that be behind the scenes are talking about shaping the world and uh, putting it all into ten world empires. Everybody, So lots of things going on there. And as I said before, history proves prophecy. So I'm a bit uh, cautious on those things, but recognize these are going on. So what, what, what does Daniel see in the interpretation? He sees, so the gold, Babylon. The head, and then the arms and the breasts of silver, and then the belly and thighs of brass, Grecian Empire, then the Roman Empire, the two legs of iron, the iron rule of Rome, and then ten toes, which is a mixture. And we certainly are living in an age of mixture today, mixture of iron and clay. And that's the kingdom that's to be revealed in the book of Revelation. Ten horns, ten toes, call it what you like, the number ten, all shaping up this time. Then, what does Daniel see? He sees this stone cut out of the mountain without hands, which was supernatural. And uh, where does it strike the image? Not on the head. That was, that was, uh, who's his name? That was David's job. When he met the giant and the measurements of the giant, he was six cubits high and had six pieces of armour and he was six, uh, six cubits high. And, yeah, and there's another 666 associated with David aims for the head and he cut off the head. But when this stone, remember Jacob had, uh, I mean Daniel, uh, no, David, Get you these guys mixed up. Uh, David had five stones. Anybody ever wonder why David took five stones? Yeah, he had four other brothers. See, some people think, oh, David took five stones in case he missed with the first one. Well, the Holy Spirit directed that first stone and that guy had something come to his head he'd never thought of. <laughs> when I was young, I used to compose poetry and so... This was one of the verses I remember. Young David slipped down to the side of the brook and from it five smooth stones he took. He put one in his sling and he let the stone fly and hit that old sinner right over the eye. Like that? I forget the rest of the verses. That was a good one. Anyway, so but this, this stone that's cut out without hands strikes the image on the ten toes. That shows it brings us right to the coming of the Lord because the stone became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And we see what God is giving to Nebuchadnezzar, the head, he's giving a progressive revelation of world kingdoms. Um, uh, Yeah, uh, let me do it and then buy a CD. You can turn me off on the CD. Uh, Turn to Revelation chapter 13. Now I'm purely indulging here. Okay, now in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, New King James. Then I stood on the sand of the sea. Symbolic language. Sand, you see it as multitudinous as sand. The sea, the wicked are like the rest of the sea, whose waters cannot rest, tossing up mire and dirt. So sand of the sea. And I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. Now Daniel sees four beasts, but John sees one beast. And this beast has seven heads, ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his hands a blasphemous name or name of blasphemy. 
All right, let me just say something quickly here. Seven heads, there have been seven world kingdoms. And the seven world kingdoms have always been associated with the people of God. Let me say them, and you try and write quickly here. Uh, the, the Egyptian kingdom, and the first world kingdom was Egypt, that took the people of Israel into slavery in Egypt for years. The next world kingdom was Assyria, and that took the house of Israel into Babel, uh, Assyrian captivity, B.C. 721. I told you that last week. Even I remember that. The next world kingdom, and see, this is what's happening, is the Babylonian kingdom, number three, and the Babylonian kingdom took the house of Judah into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. The next world kingdom was the Grecian Empire under Alexander, and God used that to spread the Greek language and Greek culture, and the, and the New Testament was written in Greek. Think of that. And then we, uh, the kingdom that was, when you get to Revelation 17, he said, five kings have fallen, one is. And we have the Grecian kingdom. Uh, what have I, no, what have I missed? Yeah, uh, wait a minute. Uh, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, then the Grecian kingdom. And one is, that was Rome. And Rome was the only kingdom in the world that ever used the act of crucifixion for criminals. One is. And one is yet to come, and when he comes, it will continue a short while. What it actually works out is the seven world kingdoms and the seventh one brings you the second coming of the Lord. So I'm just saying all these things are shaping up. And uh, I think we're living in the most frightening generation and the most exciting generation. All right, so the head of God, the image of a man. So progressive revelation of world kingdoms. I'm sorry? Uh, let, me, let me make sure I'm, I'm, I digress there. So the Egyptian kingdom, number one. The Assyrian, number two. The Babylonian kingdom, number three. Medo-Persian kingdom, number four. The Grecian kingdom, number five. Rome is the sixth one. That was in time of Christ. And he said there's one yet to come, number seven. And that was the anti-crystal kingdom. Sorry, I'm just... That was a diversion, not on my notes. Okay, so the anti-crystal kingdom, which I believe is in formation today. And most expositors, they have different ideas on it, but they recognize something's happening on that. All right, now let's go. So that's Daniel 2. And then the next one is the kingdom of God, uh, number 8, which is, brings us to the Christian millennial kingdom, I call it. All right, next one is Daniel 7. The lion with eagle's wings. Uh, you'll just have to do that. I've, I've digressed enough. It basically repeats the same. The lion with eagle's wings was Babylon. Then Medo Persian, the different animals there. All right, now, under letter C, I'll just have to keep moving. The glory of the kingdom of Babylon. And uh, it's just too much. How many have seen uh, Clarence Larkin's book? Okay. Uh, if he, uh, even though I, do, I personally don't agree with it, I lived in it for years and then had to just to readjust some things. He gives a description of the, of the, the glory of Babylon uh, as a city, you know, and the walls are so great and six chariots could run around there and the river uh, Euphrates, ran, uh, Euphrates ran diagonally across the city. There's the great tower of Babel. Uh, or Baal there in the city. Uh, Larkin gives probably the best description uh, of the city there. Uh, it's just too much for me to read. But that gives you the glory of it. So dispensational truth, if you can get a hold of it, a loan of it, photocopy that section. Uh, I've, I've got too much. That's, that's all on Babylon. And I've just got too much. I've just got to read some of it. Okay, let me have some holy water. Sorry to get excited about these things. Is that all right? Yes. 
All right, now, go to letter D, the fall of Babylon. Now, Babylon is at the height of its glory, Daniel chapters 1 through to 5. And the fall of Babylon was prophesied by Isaiah. And just put down these chapters. Uh, This is just a basic overview. Isaiah chapter 13 and 14. In the section on burdens, he has the burden of Babylon. So Isaiah chapter 13 and 14. Also Isaiah chapter 47 and 48. Those four chapters in Isaiah are given over to the fall of Babylon by Isaiah. Okay, now number two, the fall of Babylon was also prophesied by Jeremiah. Put down Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51. So two chapters there, the fall of it. Let me just give you one snippet of, of this vast subject. On, on the night that Babylon fell, what happened? Do you know what God was doing? This is what happened in Babylon. Belshazzar, who was the king of Babylon then, he replaced Nebuchadnezzar, he, uh, he decided to mock the gods of Israel and he, he said, bring in all the vessels from the house of the Lord. And so he brings in, and the most dangerous one here, he brings in the golden lampstand. And just as he's mocking and praising the gods, and knows what he's doing, he's praising the gods of gold, of silver, of bronze, brass, of iron. He's just mocking the image, dream that Nebuchadnezzar is. All of a sudden, a hand comes out of the wall. And this hand starts to write in an unknown tongue. You see, what about the gifts of the Spirit? And so Belshazzar brings in all the wise men to interpret the tongue. None of them could do it. So it needed an interpreter. And so there's one man out there by the name of Daniel. And Daniel interprets the tongue. And you know what history tells us? I mean, history, we have to go to history. It had been prophesied in Isaiah years before. But you see, what happened, and this is where there's a bit of confusion. Let's see if I can find that a little bit. Some of the reasons that uh, people say, well, Babylon will never be rebuilt. But there was like two streams of prophecy. And uh, in Isaiah... Chapter 13, 14 in the, somewhere, it says, The day of the Lord is at hand. The day of the Lord is the destruction. It's cruel with fierce anger. And the land would be desolate. And sinners would be destroyed out of it. The sun and the moon and the stars would be darkened. God would punish the proud. And the heavens and the earth would be removed out their place. Day of the Lord. And that uh, Babylon would be like Sodom and Gomorrah. And remember, Sodom and Gomorrah would be destroyed by fire and brimstone. So what happened? There are two sets of prophecies concerning the fall of Babylon. And when you get to Revelation chapter 18, 17 and 18, you'll find he quotes verse after verse after verse after verse. I've got a list of them all here in this folder uh, from Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51. The final destruction of Babylon is here. It didn't happen here. Now, do you know what Isaiah prophesied? And this is so remarkable. It makes you think the Bible is inspired. That God said he would dry up the river of Babylon and he would cause the leaved gates to be opened. And according to history, and you can see this in Larkin, also in uh, Dakes' Bible commentary and so forth, what happened that the Medo-Persian army, Iran, we might say, Medo-Persian army, they diverted the river Euphrates to another channel and they came up the diverted riverbed to the gates of the city and that night, they say the only night in history, the soldiers forgot to shut the two leave gates and that they came up through the diverted riverbed into the city, the banquet hall, and the Bible just says, that night Belshazzar was slain. Just that simple. 
And who organized it? God. And, and, and what I want you to, you know, be shouting about is the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. And as I've got older and got colder, not just spiritually, but I say, God, you're sovereign. You rule in the affairs of men. You can put one up. I mean, we think of Gaddafi and all these guys. Hey, God can put one up. He says he gives the kingdom to whomsoever he will. He sets up one. He pulls down another. Hey, God's sovereign. And we've got to realize beyond all the machinations of man, God is sovereign. He rules in the affairs of man. That's where my confidence in. I, I, I pray that every morning. Lord, you are sovereign. There's not much I can do at my age, but you're sovereign. You do it. How many can say amen on that? Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. Anyway, so none of that happened. But when you get to the book of Revelation, you'll find that Babylon falls. And so desolation and the people, uh, uh, the ten kings hate the woman, but they lament over the city. Okay. All right. We'll have to hold that there. Okay. So what happened? God uses a hand, a man's hand. Do you th- who, do, who, do you, who do you think the man's hand was? Jesus. It was his hand. And he's writing in an unknown tongue that needs interpretation. I mean, there's a little pointer to the gifts of the Spirit, tongues interpretation. And that night, Babylon fell. So it's been down ever since. All right, now, let's see how we go. Oh. I'm going to have to skip this. I've got too much uh, material under letter E on the general history of Babylon since the fall. And uh, I've got so much material there. I've been collecting it over the years. Let me go to Zechariah chapter 5. Let's turn the next page. Zechariah chapter 5. And uh, this along with uh, Larkin and Dakes in his Bible and a few other commentaries who are realizing this now uh, just confirms about Babylon being rebuilt. Now, talking to a very intelligent bunch of people, the book of Zechariah is written after the fall of Babylon. It's a post Babylonian book. They've been in captivity for 70 years. And now they're being restored under the Medo-Persian Empire, Iran, as we say today. Then let's go to chapter 5. I think it's chapter 5. Yes. And uh, we'll go to verse 5. Then the angel who talked with me came, and came out and said to me, Lift, up now, lift your eyes now and uh, see what is, this is that goes forth. So I asked, what is it? And he said, it is a basket that is going forth. He also said, this is their resemblance throughout the earth. Here is a lead disc lifted up, and there, this is a woman. Wow. Symbolic language. He is sitting inside the basket. And he said, this is wickedness. And he thrust her down into the basket and threw the lead cover over its mouth. Then I raised my eyes and looked, and there were two women. Coming with the wind in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork. Isn't it interesting that uh, how often when babies are born, they have the stork flying? Stork's an unclean bird. Stick to the eagle. And they lifted up the basket between heaven and earth. So I said to the angel who talked with me, where are they carrying the basket? Now listen carefully here, verse 6, verse 11. And he said to me, to build a house for it in the land of China. That's where Nimrod set it up. And, finish the verse, when it is ready, the basket will be set there on its base. Babylon being rebuilt. And there's other scriptures. All right, now, bear with me as I read a little bit on this. Here and we'll try and wrap up. If you say please, I'm going to give you all a copy of this map for our this session and next session. 
I get such joy out of that. Okay. Now, for years I've been collecting data on this because it impressed me. And let me see, I'll just read some snippets. And this is all in the book of Revelation by Connor. Let me see, trying to pick up. December the 19, uh, 17, 1971, the Herald, Melbourne, Australia, they want to rebuild Babel, Baghdad. The Tower of Babel, biblical source of the world's languages, may soon rise again over the dusty plain once known as Mesopotamia. And you'll find, without reading it all, the, the Japanese government offered to rebuild the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Pittsburgh Press, May the 11th, 1980. Japanese scholars plan to rebuild the ruined city of Babylon. The Iraqi government has already started restoring the legendary city. A lot there. Times on Sunday, February the 27th, 1987. While Iran and Iraq have been locked in battle for the past four years, Iraq has been pouring resources into its other great obsession, rebuilding the ancient city of Babylon. I've got pages of it. Bangkok Post, September 14th, 1989. What they're going to do for the 52-year-old president, the city's rebirth is a symbol of resistance to Iran Iraq's fall in the Gulf War and formerly Persia, which seized Babylon, and so forth. It goes on. The Australian, August the 14th. Saddam the Conqueror. Insane Hussein. Uh, what do you call him? Saddam Hussein. Insane, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Ancient le- legends drive Saddam the Conqueror. In his Disneyland-style rebuilding of the ruins of ancient Babylon, near big day, every fourth brick... And you see, when you go through that, the prophecies, it says nobody will ever take a brick of Babylon to rebuild it. But Saddam did it. Thousands of bricks. Read the articles. The Herald Melbourne, Australia, August the 16th, 1990, up to 1990. Oh, where do I go? 1991. Okay, Toronto Star, 1994. And uh, I'm not trying to sell you a book. But if you can get hold of this, this is the latest thing out. Where did I have it? If you can get hold of this book, it's an absolute goldmine. Before Insane Hussein died, this was written by this guy, The Rise of Babylon. And he gives and pictures galore here of Babylon being rebuilt. And he was there at the big party... That where they rebuilt the Ishtar gate, and here there's a coin of Nebuchadnezzar and Saddam Hussein, who said he was the great 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 grandson. Read it; it's uh, it's the most fascinating. Here's the Ishtar gate. So there's the river of Babylon, so forth. So the rise of Babylon, if you can get it, and the guy's name is Charles H. Dyer. That's the most up-to-date thing that's out, confirming lots of things that I've been saying to you. So, uh, yeah, so though we've got our eyes on the city of Jerusalem, this is happening too. So when Babylon is up, Jerusalem's down. And remember what we said last week. I know I'm throwing the book at you, but it's our last night. Okay. Uh, Jerusalem will be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. God is still saving the Gentiles. So if you can get hold of that book, uh, Word or else, wrong, somewhere. It's, it, it's an absolute gold mine. So that gives me the latest stuff beyond all I've got in my folder here, pages of it. Okay, let's go down to number eight here. The modern day Nebuchadnezzar. Saddam Hussein, before he's, you know, demise, you should read what he says about it. That we are going to do to Israel what Nebuchadnezzar did to Israel and Jerusalem years ago. 
because I'm his great-great-great-grandson. You read his statements. And God just removed him. See, God's sovereign just removed him. And so we've got to think that. So when these people make these boasts, say, hey, God's in heaven, you better zip your lip or fasten your hip. Okay, <laughs> rebuilding of Babylon, sign of the time of the end. All right. Okay, now, when you go to our conclusion, we have to finish on this. So I hope I've served your interest. So Jerusalem in Revelation, Revelation chapter 11 and uh, verses 8 through to 13. I did that last week. Babylon in Revelation. Note the scriptures. And, and for people to say, well, Babylon will never be rebuilt. It's allegorical or symbolic. I say symbolic of what? What's the reality? And when you go back and compare the scripture, that's it. All right, I have to finish on this. Abraham, the father of all who believe, look for a city as builder and maker is God. Not not Nimrod. It's a heavenly city, New Jerusalem, the holy city of God, which comes down from heaven, the eternal dwelling place of all the redeemed. Okay, let's for our last couple of moments here, turn to Revelation quickly. All right, Revelation chapter 9, and uh, notice the emphasis on Babylon here. So Revelation 9, 14, 15, and notice this, and and for people who say you've got to allegorize it away or spiritualize away, no, take it as it is. In verse 13, reading from Old King James, the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, number six, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now, where did the river Euphrates come from? Read through. I've, I've done Bible history on this. See? It began in the Garden of Eden. Then it flowed through Babylon. It's still flowing today. They depend on it. Why allegorize it? Why spiritualize it away? Chapter 14, verse 8. Chapter 14, verse 8. And it says, um, And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, doubly fallen, spiritually and commercially, politically, every way. That great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of her wrath of her fornication. Read through the rest. I'll just have to quit there. Let me finish with this statement. Uh, President Bush, they had plans even way back to Napoleon. They said, if we can rebuild Babylon, and did you know that when America bombed Baghdad, only 70 miles from uh, uh, Babel, which Saddam Hussein had rebuilt so much, They never touched Babylon because they said we want it to be a world tourist centre and that while they are so busy making money with the tourists, we won't have to worry about jihad. That's what President Bush said. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.